0: Welcome to the Vegas Gang podcast for January 16th, 2013. Uh, The Vegas Gang is a roundtable discussion show for issues related to casinos in Las Vegas, Macau, and the rest of the world. Thank you guys, we love you. Thank you so much for the best podcast award in the Trippies. If we didn't win, we were definitely going to quit, and so it is a huge relief that we won all of the awards. I just can't even believe how surprised I am that we beat those scoundrels from Minnesota. But I knew that you guys would come through in the end. Our audience, you guys are the best. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for that special honor. Um, hi. Well, let me welcome my uh, my co-winners here. Um, we've got Chuck Monster, who actually is the editor-in-chief at uh, VegasChipping.com. Chuck, it must have been really embarrassing for you to win your
1: own award. How's it going today? <laughs> I, I Well, I tell you what, I didn't realize that Skype connected to an alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, of course it does.
0: Of course, of course it The world is what you make it, Charles. The world is what you oh. make it. Uh, That's the lesson I just have not learned yet. <laughs> And, of course, we have uh, Dr. Dave Schwartz, the director of UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. Hi there. Uh, Dave I hope, Dave is um, spending some time with us despite uh, trying to recover from the plague. So we thank him for taking some time out of his recovery to hang out with us. And um, my name's Hunter Hilligus. You can find me at uh, ratevegas.com. I want to start off with some announcements. I mentioned the trippies uh, a moment ago. In my intro um, a little uh joke there we um, were very glad to be nominated in the best podcast category, but the award did go to our good friends at uh, five ninety by midnight so congratulations to them and to everybody else that was nominated and all of the winners in the other categories um, I uh, wanted to say thank you for the couple awards that um, were lucky to be uh, for projects that I was involved with so Thank you again, um, Two Way Heart Three, which of course we talked about last time, is now uh, no longer with us. But it was nice to be recognized for that and um, for the Vegas Mate iPhone app. So really appreciate that. Thank you. And um, I don't know, maybe we touched on the trippies real briefly. I know other other people do pretty in depth uh, review shows, and Chuck, you and your guys did uh, a very long uh, announcement webcast with a lot of commentary. So I, you know, I don't want to c- recover. All that same ground, obviously, but um, you know, what what did anything strike you about this year's awards? Uh, big winners, big losers. Anything surprise you?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of things surprised me. Uh, I was surprised to see, and this was even in when the nominations came out, how Win had dropped off of the radar on a lot of things that uh, they had dominated. And by Win, I mean the collective, you know property of winning encore. They've all seem to, you know, they had locks on a lot of those categories and they 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 sort of fell off. So I was a little surprised by that. Not completely surprised, but somewhat surprised. It could be maybe the uh the petals have fallen off the rose. Uh you know, and and people have found other options that they like. But um it seemed like things were pretty accurate. There were not too many incredible surprises, but uh, I think that was built into the, uh, to the nomination. So I think if you look at the nominations, you'll see a lot of things that are missing that weren't there. But the winners were all mostly deserving.
0: <laughs> well, who are the undeserving winners?
1: <laughs> that would be uh, the Vegas Gang podcast.
0: Aha, there you go. <laughs> um yeah so i uh, you may are know this off the top of your head who is the most uh who won the most awards this year
1: who won the most awards this year yeah uh, I think it was probably cosmopolitan. i think they took away uh probably Hmm, eight or so awards, and that includes like nightclub and hotel and bars and things like that. They didn't dominate as much as they did the year previous. Uh-huh. Uh, something that was kind of interesting also in the readers' choices was that uh, Cosmopolitan won best dining, but none of their restaurants were nominated. I think maybe one. STK was the only one that was nominated, and it's not exactly known for having uh, exciting dining, that place. It's known for having jewelry-encrusted spoons and uh, <laughs> vibe DJs playing music. So uh, in terms of the culinary arts, it seemed to uh, – hmm, kind of surprised by that, by that they, they win the best uh, overall, but none of their individual properties, uh, the restaurants at least, uh, made yeah. it into the running.
0: It's always interesting when you get any kind of uh, you know voting-based situation where the different components don't seem to add up, right? When people are saying like, oh, we got to cut government spending, but don't you dare take away money from my Medicare. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of that going on, I think, in a lot of these polls. People have contradictory uh, opinions yeah. that are complicated and sometimes fascinating.
1: Yeah, I know last year or it was a few years ago uh, – uh, I, I did – I wrote a little script to, to see uh, which uh, unique identifiers voted for total rewards for the best comp club and also voted for it as the worst comp club. And <laughs> I think there was about like 200 people or so who <laughs> had voted <laughs> for both. That's
0: funny. You know, <laughs> So I,
1: I, I like it and I don't like it at the same time. It's kind of funny.
0: In my own, in my own balloting, I think I've done that a few times just because I, I definitely have love-hate relationships with certain things, right? Things that are great. I, but um, also could be better. And, you know, especially places that I haven't had a great deal of affection for that maybe have, uh that's diminished through changes that they've made or other factors. So I can definitely relate to that in my own voting. Yep. Um, all right. So that's the trippies people can go. Where do they go exactly? If they want to see all the results.
1: So Vegas slash trippies two zero one three.
0: All right. So we'll link that up uh, as well, but um Go there and you can see the complete set of results both from the readers and the editors' choice. Oh, actually, I have a question for you. I'm going to give you a little bit of a hard time. I forgot. Oh, okay. I'm glad I remember this. There's a bunch of the editors' choice categories where you punted and didn't give an, give an answer. What's the story with that?
1: Um, we punt because we either can't make a decision or uh, the decision process is uh, is laborious and we can't come to a conclusion, Yeah. or we don't feel like we have enough information to make a decision about that at that time.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, because I noticed that yeah. this time. I don't know if you've done that in the past and I haven't noticed, but uh, as yes. I was browsing through, um, definitely popped up, so I wanted
1: to ask. There was a lot more punting this year. We punted on on various things, that, not necessarily punting, but... Uh, we, we punted in the sense that uh we didn't want to give the award to anybody because we didn't think anybody deserved it, so fair enough fair enough so it's a it's a combination of various reasons of why we punt
0: um It will be interesting to see if next year you know the cosmopolitan um as with many other brand new properties that uh had a big splash, you know start strong. It will be interesting to see if that fade continues as we get further and further away from openings um, that we're not going to have for a while. You know we'll how things sort of stabilize yeah. in the new the new normal.
1: You know, we did see something uh, happen to the converse of that is that ARIA made a stronger showing uh, this year than it ever had. Right. It actually had had a lot of more nominations and it won a couple of awards in the previous years. It only won worst maybe one positive here or there, but it was mostly in the worst category. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, they definitely seem to be pulling their act together. Um, All right, so that's the Trippies. We'll link up the uh, results website. Um, The other thing I wanted to make sure that we mentioned right off the top is, Dave, your book, Roll the Bones, the casino edition is available both uh, uh, printed on demand and also in all of the various electronic bookstores. Why don't you really quickly um, explain what – The book is about how it is different from the original version and where people might find it.
2: Yes, the original version came out in 2006. It's this comprehensive history of all forms of gambling, lotteries, horse racing, and casinos. For I got the rights back from the publisher, and I decided to do do a new edition. And instead of just putting out the old one and then tackling on another chapter saying, yeah, this is what happened in the past six years. I really rethought it and thought, how can I make the book better and make it more interesting for people? So I decided to focus more on casinos, which is what most people are more interested in. So this focuses is just in casinos. I cut out a lot of the lottery and horse racing stuff. Also focuses more on, I would say, 20th century uh, history and things that have happened. I added a lot of material in Atlantic City, they have a whole chapter, I added a substantial amount on Las Vegas, I actually added, I think a total of three chapters about Las Vegas and Nevada, so they've, they've gotten a lot more coverage too, and have also added stuff about Asia and a little bit of online as well, so it's really comprehensive with casinos now, covering it up to about two weeks ago, yeah. to be honest, so that's uh, pretty much everything there, and uh, it's a real experience putting it out myself.
0: So I want, if you don't mind, um, I'm curious about that process. And uh, so you know, you're you're self-publishing this. You've got your own little imprint here. Um, going through, it. I'm sure there's a lot of learning in that process. But I- I'm wondering what it's like to take a book that you know you had worked on previously and revise it and update it. Is that something that you enjoyed doing, or is it more fun to work on new stuff, or do you enjoy both?
2: Hated it while I was doing it, but I love it now that it's done. You know, it's kind of like anything else that you hate it excruciatingly while you're doing it. And once you're finished and you've got a finished product it and it's pretty good, you're happy with it. That's kind of how I felt. You know, it's just... Excruciating to have to go back and proofread and look for stuff, and after if you've read the same material, you know you've read the same 400 pages, God knows how many times, you don't even none of it looks right to you, none of it looks wrong. Um, adding stuff is always it's kind of fun because I'm so used to writing and not being an editor. It kind of gives you a chance to do that and think editorially about it and think more critically, which I think makes you a better writer. So that's why I kind of liked it from that perspective. So it was kind of good. I kind of like that. I think I am looking forward to working on a new project sometime pretty soon and getting out some new, you know, totally new material, though, because I think that's kind of more rewarding because you're creating something new from scratch.
0: Given that you now have some experience self-publishing and... You know, you you know sort of what it takes to put one of these things together, and given that electronic publishing, especially, and even you know to a lesser degree on demand print, allows you a lot more freedom in format, right? So instead of necessarily it having to be a four hundred page book every time out, you can do smaller, shorter form stuff. You can uh, react more quickly to what the market might be demanding. Could you see yourself uh, taking on other different projects like that?
2: Yeah, you know, definitely I can. And there's a lot of different things I'd like to do. You know, one of the projects I'd like to do, not, in, well, there will be a little bit of new stuff in here, but I'd like to collect a lot of my Atlantic City history uh, articles that I did for Casino Connection. And put that, put a, you know, do it in Atlantic City history book. That's always been a goal of mine. So, that would be one thing I'd like to do. And also pull together some of my longer form stuff from Vegas Seven for a a Vegas book, you know, a book of essays. And I think that would be a really good fit for that because you know, would I want to do a hundred and twenty-five thousand word, you know, four hundred and fifty page book of essays about Vegas? Probably not. You know. 65,000-word, 200-page book, you know, yeah, I think people might like that. So that's that's really interesting. The other thing that doing this myself has taught me a lot of respect for is the art and craft of laying out books and the whole process of putting the book together, you know, everything. You know, it's pretty much like, and I've used this analogy before, you know, it's like if you're building a house – And instead of hiring a contractor, you do every, you hire, you do it yourself and then you hire subcontractors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I hired a proofreader, hired a copy editor, hired an indexer. So I didn't just do everything myself, um, had a, worked with a, a very talented cover artist as well. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so, you know, so that kind of stuff you sort of contract out to other people and then you're the one responsible for the quality control and, uh. It's it's there's a lot of learning involved, and I've learned so much stuff. I would say it probably took me about two months once I really started cracking on it, and I could probably do it in about three weeks now. But the only way I was going to learn that was by doing doing it.
0: Right. So if people want to get their hands on this new updated casino edition of Roll the Bones, what is the best way for them to do so?
2: Right now, there's a, there's several ways. First of all, if they want to win it electronically, it's on. Kindle, Nook, Kobo, and iBooks. So pretty much all the four platforms that I found people using. If there's another platform out there that you'd like to see it on, talk to me. And it it doesn't seem to be that hard to get that on there. If they'd like a print book, which is a great idea, I think it's available on lulu.com. And it's actually, I've got a 20% off deal going right on right now. So it's about $21 plus shipping. And, uh, I think you'll. I think it's a good bang for the buck. It's still a pretty, pretty thick book, about 450 pages. So lots of stuff in here, and uh, some cool stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, I have, I have the uh, Lulu version right here in front of me, and um, it came out great. looks really looks fantastic. I mean, I did, I don't really know anything about the mechanics of on demand publishing, but if you, if I if I didn't tell you that that's why this book was printed, you would never know. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks just as good as any book you would buy anywhere else. I mean, it looks completely 100% pro.
2: Thanks. Yeah, it's really – I think the cover is a lot of that though.
0: <laughs> yes. So he's <laughs> alluding to a cover art that uh, our uh, other co-host here, Charles S. Monster Esquire, was um, kind enough to put together. Is that correct, Chuck? Yeah.
1: Yes, I was I was honored uh, to uh, help Dave. I I, I love this book. I love the original version, and I tried to – uh, make the book seem like a second edition of the original. So it's not really too much original. Dave picked out the photos. I did a couple other knucklehead things to it, but but it's, it's inspired, not a direct copy, but it's inspired. It's an evolution of the original cover. So uh, that's about it.
0: Nice. Well, I highly recommend the book. Um, we're still months and months away from our next uh, VIMP outing, but I'm sure if you brought your copy along – Uh, to Vimp 2013. Dave would be happy to sign it for you. Uh, Or if you get the ebook version, he can sign your iPad. Um, Which I'm sure (laughs) there'll be a a long line for iPad signings. Um, Oh, yeah. So definitely go pick up Roll the Bones, the casino edition. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. But um, as Dave mentioned, you can pretty much find it wherever uh, e-books are sold. And if you want the printed version, um, get it soon. So you can get it in on uh, the special... Discounted price. Alright. Um let's talk about some casino stuff. Well, I think I want to start off talking about the continuing there's sort of two stories that are intertwined here: the continuing exodus of of uh executives from MGM Resorts International and wind Resorts expanding much more aggressively into new markets. So let's see, I'm gonna pop this open right here. I think the byline on this story is the uh, 7th of January, uh, we've got Gamal Aziz, who was very much a rising star at MGM, had been with the company for uh, since '98. helped open Bellagio, and that's how he had originally worked with Wynn, um, continued on post-merger, had been promoted several times, including recently to a new company that MGM had created called MGM Hospitality, which is in charge of uh, bringing the MGM brands to new parts of the world, and they have a couple projects going to do MGM Grands and Bellagios and other parts of the world and really expand that part of MGM's business, um, very much seemed like, uh, you know, he was moving up the ranks at MGM, and I could have even imagined him as replacing Jim Murren someday. It really seemed like a star executive that was doing some really great work. Uh, turns out we learned in January that, um, a couple about a week ago, that 10 days ago, that Wynn Resorts has hired him away to... Uh, basically, run a very similar operation for them. So, we're seeing Wynn taking up that same mantle of expansion. So, for many years, you know, Wynn Las Vegas and Encore are the two properties in Las Vegas, and then they've been operating in Macau and expanding in Macau. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, now we're seeing them start to push for more in other parts of the world, which is, you know, in some ways interesting because I remember when this, the uh, Singapore property came up, Wynn had. Um, opted out of that process, saying that they were just too busy in China and trying to get that stuff rolling. They couldn't handle the extra bandwidth uh, required to make those projects go, and uh, now it looks like they're putting pedal to the metal to expand as much as they can. They're even talking about potentially doing non-casino properties in other parts of the world. So, uh, I think a lot to unpack here. I think I want to start on the MGM side, because not only are they losing uh, Aziz, but you know, they've lost several executives over the past few weeks. We talked about Bill McBath leaving at Aria. And since then, we've also learned that Felix Rappaport, that was running, who was running the Mirage and has run other properties for MGM, is also leaving uh, the company. What is the story with the brain drain at MGM? And there's been other examples as well. Um, Chuck, do you have any thoughts on what's going on at NGM? Why is everyone bailing out?
1: That's a good question. That's the that's the five billion dollar question. It could be related to uh, Muran's uh, job extension, and people decided now's a good time to get off the bus. Uh, they've also left uh, under some degree of of mystery and secrecy. Aria's uh, food and beverage VP, Christina Clifton, was forced out in a in a big kind of to do. Uh, she possibly might've gotten in a little hot water. I don't really know. We've, we've gotten sketchy reports about that. Uh, Aldo Manzini, who is the CEO, also quit. Frank Visconti, who is the president of retail, also quit. The guy at rail pass quit a while before that. So a lot of people have, uh, have, have kind of jumped off the, the tracks here. Uh, the Rappaport thing made, you know, a lot of us sort of think, well, maybe MGM is close to getting rid of the property, possibly selling it to Ruffin as the discussion has been going. But uh, the other ones, hard to pin down. You know, the, maybe they've gone through all the tough times and things are sort of righted. The ship is not listing as bad and, and they feel that it's okay for them to leave. They could have had been planning to leave beforehand, and were were asked to stay until certain metrics were 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 achieved. You know, we've had some good news over MGM uh, the last six months or so. So possibly it's just deferred retirements, deferred uh, people wanting to do other stuff, but certainly not all of it.
0: What's I mean? I think what's curious. For me is that so many of these have come without announcements of new projects, right? So typically when an executive of the, this caliber moves on, uh, they're, they're saying, oh, I'm leaving to do this instead. I'm going to be CEO of this company or I'm moving to this property. And in many of these I, cases, they're just leaving and they're not talking about their next project, which makes it sound like they either got fired or they really wanted to leave and they didn't care that they hadn't lined up their next gig yet. And yeah. so- That's really quite interesting. And with Aziz, obviously he has a new gig, but I think the most telling part about that situation was that MGM didn't comment on his move. It wasn't, you know, typically an exec leaves and there's a flowery press release saying how great a job he did and, you know, blah blah blah. This was like, goodbye.
1: If he leaves to go work for Nevada Energy, then he's going to get that kind of press release. But if he leaves to go work for the competition, they're not going to send him a bouquet on the way out the door.
0: Well, I mean, exactly right, and that obviously didn't happen here. But it was, um, it didn't, it doesn't seem all that friendly, right? And there's there's varying degrees of how well these things can go, and it seems like uh, you know this was a very competitive hire that Wynn stole away from MGM, and they're probably not all that happy about it. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on what's going on at MGM um, as far as their seeming revolving door of executives there?
2: Yeah, you know, these are really critical spots. These property president spots are absolutely important to the end product that people see. Um, you know, some the, the corporate level, the Aziz type stuff, that's going to mean a lot to their upper management, but really people who are owned resorts are not going to really care one way or the other. But I think this is really the kind of thing that people who go to the casino should be interested in because it's good. You know, who they hire is going to directly impact the quality of those resorts. And one of the things that they bring to the table and one of the reasons why they're able to get these management deals is the quality of their management. And they have a lot of really veteran management, especially at the property level. So when a good chunk of that management starts to leave, you know, maybe it's time to start looking at why they're leaving and seeing if you need to make some changes.
0: Right. I mean, you know, the company is most many, uh, companies of this size executives that are this talented and, um, uh, you know, trying to move their careers forward. There hasn't been necessarily a lot of opportunity for them to do that at MGM. I mean, you know, the people at the top haven't gone anywhere. Um, they're, they they seem like, seems like Jim Moran's going to be in place for a while. So there's not going to be a lot of, Shifting of these roles, so maybe some of these guys that are looking at at these potential jobs saying, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be stuck here for another five years unless I make a more dramatic change," and uh, if there isn't enough opportunity for some of these executives to grow in their jobs, you know that's going to be a problem. I would assume that MGM has a pretty deep bench of folks that can take some of these roles. I mean, you know they've got a lot of properties on the strip; they've been operating for a long time. Um, in many cases, a lot of the lieutenants at these places are just as equipped to run them as the guy uh, at the very top of the chart. So I would assume and hope that they do have a good deep bench of folks. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we see any more uh, dramatic shifts. I mean, Tom McCartney went to be COO of Cosmopolitan. He had a long career with MGM before uh, a couple of his other forays. You know, what maybe he comes back as a property president in MGM's hierarchy um, you know, maybe some of these other folks that we've seen uh, eject out of other places in the past couple of years get a shot. It'll it will be very interesting to see how these things shake out. But it is hard not to note um, so many high level executives leaving in such a short period of time.
2: Yeah, and here's another thing. Just and this is just commentary. This this even it isn't even speculation. But I think that this shows one of the Drawbacks of the over concentration in the strip, you know. So, you're either going to become the CEO of uh MGM Resorts or the CEO of Caesars Entertainment, or what you know, what what else is your goal if you're in that company to rise to the top? It's not like it was when you had like five or six companies,
1: right? Snow shoveler,
2: yeah. It's not like it was when you had like five or six companies and you could go from one to the other. You know, for example, when Terry Laney rose to the top at Caesars and then jumped over to MGM, you know, that kind of thing, you know, could you imagine what would happen today if Jim Murren left MGM and went to work for Caesars or Gary Loveman, you know, left Caesars and went to work for MGM or vice versa? You know, that wouldn't happen. So it's, you know, I think it's interesting because it shows that probably. It has not been the best thing for a lot of executives' careers to see this over-concentration because it ultimately, I think, leads to less mobility around the Strip, you know. And the thing about the Strip is that at that vice president-president level, you know, those guys have always moved around. You look at, you know, for example, Dennis Gomes, you can see pretty much he's got every stop of his career in his bio on the AGA Gaming Hall of Fame web page. And you can see how many properties you work for. Right now, I I think Hilton – I can't even remember them all right now. I'm not going to slow down the show to look them up. But probably like a half dozen properties in Vegas alone. And he wasn't the only one. I mean, yeah, I think like Hilton, Dunes, Aladdin, Flamingo maybe. And then you get into a guy like Burton Cohen who I think worked for 10 properties twice, each of them. (laughs) So it's it's really interesting, you know, and I I think that shows the way the culture is changing, and you're going to see a lot of people coming into this from other businesses and then going out into other businesses.
0: Right. Well, I mean, we saw you know, we um, we've seen that in several other instances, and we've seen people reappear, right? So wh- who knows how this is going to go with some of these spots? But uh, the fact that they haven't named uh, permanent replacements yet for either of those jobs. I wonder if they're looking outside the industry. I mean, I know they're being filled by some of the other folks on the payroll at the moment, but it'll be interesting to see who does actually end up in some of those gigs. Um, the second part of that story is when, and this seemingly massive desire to expand all of a sudden, um, you know, when is talking about Massachusetts, Wynn is talking about uh, potentially other jurisdictions. What is the story with? Wynn all of a sudden wanting to branch out into all of these other, uh, other markets? I mean, is this a, just a natural evolution of their business? I mean, the, with, it's easy to think of Steve Wynn as always having been around, but his current company is not that old. Um, is this just a normal maturation of uh, his company's strategy, or is something changed that is causing them to aggressively look at other opportunities?
2: I think it's a need for diversification, you know, which I think every other company is seeing too. And if they're going to put all their eggs into Las Vegas and Macau, you know, well, in 2012, Macau's growth rate wasn't as phenomenal as it had been. And I think, you know, even when Kotai is built out, there's no way that they're going to be able to sustain the kind of growth that they saw over the past few years. So if your company's value is based on people believing that you're going to have huge exponential growth, the only way you can really go is to expand into new jurisdictions.
0: Right. So I haven't been following Massachusetts very closely. I mean, I know Wynn and some other folks are uh, vying for that license. What, any current idea of what the, what the jockeying is like at the moment as far as who's in front about is for the different licenses and who's likely to get them?
2: I, don't, I haven't looked at the application, so I, I can't really say anything about that. Well,
1: there's 11 people have submitted applications. There's a handful who are who submitted. Uh, Can you wait a couple days, uh, forms to get their <laughs> stuff? And uh, the rundown of Massachusetts. I've been doing a bunch of reading about this. Uh, they've they've divided the state into three regions. Region A, which is Worcester, Middlesex, Essex, Norfolk, and Suffolk counties. Uh, It's like basically Boston and surrounding areas. Uh, Region B, which is the western part of the state, Springfield, Mass, Uh, and Region C, which is uh, like Nantucket and Cape Cod and south of Boston. Uh, There's 11 people who are vying, they're all vying in different kind of areas. Uh, The Boston area is primarily Caesars who want to put a a joint in at Suffolk Downs, the, the horse race track. Uh, Wynn wants to build a property on Everett, which uh, is uh, something I'd like to get into a little bit more. Uh, and then uh, Warner Gaming with uh, some uh, with a partner who wants to be in Milford, which is kind of between Worcester and Boston in Region A. Uh, Region C is two racinos and the the Wampanoag tribe of Mashpee Indians who I think are grandfathered in somehow, so they might be like the fifth casino. They want to have five. There's going to be uh, three full resort casinos, one slot barn, and then possibly this, this, uh, this uh, Native American tribe. And then in the western part of the state, uh, which is kind of around Springfield, uh, we have a cluster which is MGM Springfield. Also, Penn National wants to be in Springfield. Uh, the Hard Rock Seminoles, uh, Want to be in uh, Holyoke, which is a little north of Springfield, and Mohegan Sun uh, in Palmer, which is between Springfield and Worcester. So, uh, the other companies that have not submitted a location yet is uh, the Massachusetts Gaming, which is the Rush Street folks who do the Sugar House, and uh, the PPE Casino Group, which is Cordish who do the uh, Maryland Live. So, they've basically the deadline was a couple days ago. They've all kind of got their stuff in and the uh, the gaming control board there is figuring out what the regulations are going to be for the second round of making the decisions. It's like five people on the board four people on the board plus the, uh, the commissioner who are going to go through all this stuff. Everybody had to plunk down 400,000 bucks to get into, uh, the running. Who knows who exactly is in front? You know, Loveman's a local boy. Of course, he's got a, a, a good opportunity. Wynn's been there a couple times, pressing the flesh. He has the support of the governor, um, MGM and Penn, you know, they've got a lot of money going into the project. So, I imagine the bigger operators probably have the, the, the inside track. Right. Uh, now, I'd like to go back and talk about the wind plot, which yeah. is, which is uh, in Everett, which is just over the river from – I don't know if anybody's looked at the map here. They're building this thing in a, in a little sliver of land that's right on the river between a train track bridge and an actual car bridge. And uh, on one side of the train tracks, there's like a Home Depot and a Target. It's kind of hard to get there, but it's being built on top of a former uh, Monsanto uh, chemical plant. There's a ton of chemical plants in that area, and it's a Massachusetts fund site for uh, chemical contaminants. Uh, it's been a chemical plant since the 1850s or so. There's a report about this, a very extensive report. If you search for Chemical Lane, Everett, Monsanto, any of those keywords, you'll be able to get this thing up. But they, uh, they've made plasticizers, sulfuric acid, polyvinyl butyrol, and they've dumped all sorts of stuff. they found asbestos, tons of asbestos at the site, chemical spills, you name it. Uh, a bunch of junk from the big dig ended up getting stored there. And it's sort of a little bit of a disaster. So he's going to have to have somebody clean that thing up before they actually get – they actually start to dig the thing. So it could be quite expensive when it comes down to it.
0: Yeah. That kind of remediation is always uh, pretty complicated. So none of these guys have um, done any real – haven't released any real renderings or anything. Have they yet?
1: Uh, Caesars has some. If you go to Caesars.com, Suffolk, they've linked to a Suffolk Downs website. Uh, also, MGMSpringfield.com. Uh, uh, Penn has not released any. Hard Rock has released some. The Mohegan Sun Palmer, I think, has one out there. I'm going to try and gather all these up and uh, whatever, do something. I don't know, but uh, there there are certainly renderings out there. Also, the the Nunez Warner uh, site has a rendering out. It's a uh, Friedmutter, I think. Uh, uh, Dave Mc. He posted uh, a small screen grab of that ah. today. If you look at his blog, which is, it's kind of frightening, but you know it. It looks like a locals casino, kinda. You right.
0: know, right? MGM Grand definitely, or MGM definitely needs to go with a Simpsons theme for their Springfield yeah. location. <laughs> no, yeah, it it
1: it looks kind of like uh, like it looks a little bit like a cross between Revel and uh MGM Grand Macau instead of the jewel boxes on top of each other they're side to side so right. it's got a c- couple little things sticking out of it
0: well uh you know it'll be interesting to see who gets those licenses and where those where those fall um so, you know it sounds like a pretty competitive process as we continue to see the uh you know legalized gaming move across the United States new places all the time um, so who knows where where, Wynn and some of these other companies are going to end up with their expansion plans over the next few years. It seems like new markets are popping up every day. Um, moving down the street in Las Vegas, something that I wanted to touch on a little bit is the situation with the Palms. Um, they uh, recently incurred a pretty massive fine for some... Bad behavior in their nightclubs sounds like uh, people selling drugs and prostitution. And the word is that uh, some arrests are probably going to be forthcoming pretty soon here. Um, You know, this is not good news for the folks at the Palms. There's been a lot of change there in the last couple of years as transition from the George Maloof era to the current management team. Um, Is this, Dave, I'm curious how this is playing in the local media, if at all. I mean, because this was a pretty massive finding against them is this getting any real play uh in uh, in town?
2: Yeah, it's getting some. I think a lot of people are waiting for the other shoe to drop because I read something, I think it might have been earlier earlier today yesterday that some arrests were going to happen. And clearly, you know, depending on what level of people they start arresting, people that, you know, that could be huge news because then the question is well, is this another case where people who were licensed by the gaming control board ended up doing stuff that they got arrested for, you know, and that's only if people who are licensed get arrested.
0: Right, I mean, you know, maybe I'm just being cynical but it seems like they, the guys that get arrested are always the low men on the totem pole and it never uh, they never reaches up into the, uh, the upper echelon of uh, management.
2: Yeah, although you've got to, you know, by the same token, in a place like the Palms, there's not going to be as many as levels levels of management as you would find at other places in the strip so if they're going to be going after anybody big it'll probably be somebody fairly high up yeah yeah
0: well it was a i think a million dollar fine it's a big one um and uh it sounds like the control board and other licensing authorities are taking this stuff pretty seriously they've you know they put a lot of these clubs on notice a couple years ago about this kind of thing and uh apparently that was more than just talk. They're really trying to uh reduce some of this uh, you know, law breaking behavior in the nightclubs, which of course the nightclubs have turned into such a money maker for these places. There's, you know, a new nightclub opening every other week, it seems, um, because they make so much damn money. And uh so it's interesting to see the intersection of whatever's going on there to make to help fuel these things and uh, you know, running afoul of, of these regulations. So probably not the last we'll see of this sort of thing. And, uh, it sounds like there will be more, more to come with the palms specifically. So
1: nightclubs, prostitution, drugs, who thought of that?
0: I mean, right. Of course. Right. I mean, <laughs> duh. not, no surprise to anyone that this kind of stuff goes on. I don't think, but, uh, it's, it's I, it's, you know, I think it's, if there, if there are laws against it and there are rules against it, you know, that they, they should be followed. So if, uh, it it's a good thing I think for the regulations to be enforced otherwise what's the point of having them in the first place.
1: How many slaps on the wrist do you think they had before they finally stepped in and said all right guys enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I think it had to be sounds like it was fairly egregious, right? I mean, it it's for the fine to be that big and you're right. I mean, I think, you know, the the regulatory apparatus is not out to destroy the state's industries, but they're there to make sure you know, that things run properly and there's no disrepute brought to the state and all the other stuff that goes along with regulation. I mean, I think I would have to think that if they could have found a way to resolve this without the big hullabaloo, that would have been better for everybody. But clearly (laughs) that was not possible.
1: Now the, now the Palms uh, nightclubs are going to be at a competitive disadvantage compared to everybody else. I know, seriously. (laughs)
2: Well here's another I'm just going to throw this out there does this make it easier for the Palms to get swept up into the Borg
0: That's a you good know, question You know they're
2: one of the few you know they're one of the few independents left in the area Yeah and... I mean I don't
0: I don't know it it was interesting to see right so this this gets sort of complicated so the clubs and a lot of the restaurants at the Palms were owned by the Nine group which you know for a long time was uh partially owned by the Palms but also by you know outside folks and uh, they had that they got sort of swept up into the new holding company that owns the Palms as part of this complicated set of transactions that went down over the last couple of years and consolidated the ownership. I mean, I think it's kind of comical the statement from the Palms is saying, "Well, you know, this stuff happened before we owned the nightclubs." It's like, "Okay, right, really." Like, yeah. you're going to give me that one? Like that is that is seriously straight out of Casablanca if, <laughs> if I'm going to believe that. Come on, guys. Like that may be like legally true, you don't have that responsibility, but if you don't if you're trying to make me believe that you didn't know this stuff was happening i I just don't I'm sorry, I don't believe it,
2: and nobody's that naive, you know in the gaming industry, it's always if you are aware of it happening, you're responsible for it, and you know everybody from The janitor on up knows that if you see something happen and you're aware that it's happening, you're responsible for it. And if you know that it's wrong, you've got to report it or stop it. So that's not really the most plausible defense.
0: And casinos are like the least trusting industry on the planet, right? The whole idea is predicated on the fact that people are coming in to try and cheat you out of your money. And so, it's like, they're supposedly, like, born skeptics, and they're just like, oh, everything must be fine down there at the nightclub. I saw those kids, you know, stumbling out of there, like, with, uh, you know, eyes as big as plates every night, but that's normal. (laughs) That's normal, right? My kids do that. All right. Um, So, too bad for folks at the Palms. Um, I will be interested to see uh, how far this goes as it continues, and if we see any other type of actions against other operators um on the strip you have to think that this stuff pretty much goes on the same everywhere um sls my favorite project on the strip Um, mine too yes i want to talk about sls real briefly because you posted some new renderings which i think if i was going to summarize your reaction was not as horrible as i expected yeah. Um real quickly, you know, what did what did you see, what did you like, what did you hate, what did they show us?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of cute to look inside the old Sahara again, <laughs> 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 even if it's uh, completely different and I looked at some photos that I took the week or so before it closed and compared the two. Um, yeah they they're basically stripping everything out and they're gonna put a nice pretty simple fit and finish on everything. It looks pretty shiny. Uh, design wise, it, uh, it, it seemed like a sort of a mash of Golden nugget AC with uh, some Planet Hollywood sort of stuffed in there. So you can see they're just below luxury deal. Uh, it's not as uh, horrible and annoying as the uh, the SLS Beverly Hills, if anybody's ever been there. That thing is kind of uh, – it's so smug and smart and stuff, and this, this seems to be a little bit less of that, a little more traditional, you might think. But conversely, um, between the areas in the resort, there doesn't really seem to be an over – arching design kind of theme or stuff that holds it together, at least in the renderings. Each section looks like it, this was designed independently of the other ones. There there are some things that, that that repeat throughout the design, but not much. Not enough for it to be, okay, this really is a theme. Like the the first entryway of the lobby, which used to have the camels and, and all the other stuff there. Uh, it's like black and white and chrome and has all this shiny stuff and then the casino you can see further on is like brown and red and very very kind of different it's not like a fully fully uh realized cohesive sort of experience um in my view at least just looking at a couple of these now granted this these are like official but not really official Renderings, you know, this is these are designed to uh, get uh, people to plunk their money down, you know, for a visa to invest in the property. So they're trying to make it look as nice as possible. Whether or not you know it is, who knows? It's hard yeah, to tell.
0: Right? No, I mean, it's uh, what I think is just interesting, and I'm not made necessarily very surprising, but uh, validating that you know they're they're not changing the bones of this place, right? At least they're not proposing that at all. They're they may be tearing you know, walls down to studs and refinishing stuff and replacing carpets with nicer carpets and fabrics with nicer fabrics. But, you know, their check in desk is where the check in desk was, right? They're not like, hey, we're gonna move it we're gonna move this restaurant over here. They're like, well, the pipes all come in here, so this is where the restaurant's gonna be.
2: Right. Yeah. It appears to be that way. Right. So Which is which is bizarre to me because then why do that whole fire sale to begin with? Unless you desperately need the money that bad because they sold a lot of stuff that they probably didn't have to sell that now they have to replace.
1: Well, they're, I think they have to, no matter what, they're going to have to pay interest on the loans that they got. So,
0: Yeah. It just seems like, especially some of that stuff, when you're ripping out escalators and other like real heavy type machinery that you know you're going to need again, yeah. that, that seems more questionable, right? I can understand getting rid of mattresses and camel lamps and other crap you're never going to use, but some of that stuff... Maybe uh, maybe they regret having to pull out. I don't know. Who knows? We still don't know uh, any details on SLS opening. Uh, and, you know, it sounds like they're still trying to get their funding worked out, uh, which, you know, I think by my estimation is taking longer than they had originally guessed. Uh, we don't have any final announcement of that being completed. So they are still out there uh, dialing for dollars. <laughs> and um, maybe someday they will get that completed and we'll see some construction cranes move in. But as of now, it is still
1: on
2: pause. Can I per second? Dis- yeah, for a second? Oh. Please. Will you say the whatever you were saying before?
1: I was going to make a joke about dialing long distance for dollars. <laughs> uh, yes,
0: oh. exactly. Yes. International calls only. Yes. yes. Go ahead, Dave.
2: I just want to say that... It seems like Sam Nazarian has mastered the Jedi mind trick because every industry person I talk to in town assumes that this is definitely happening. When I say, well, he doesn't have the money yet, they're just, what do you mean he doesn't have the money yet? Yeah. No, he's got it. I'm like, well, no, he, they don't have it. There's, there's no work. Drive by the building. They're not working yeah. on it. Oh, no, they've got the money.
1: This is what I've been saying, Dave, for years. This is what SBE does it's a gigantic cloud of hype and they get people from stockbridge to colony capital to pour money into the pockets of a dude who opened he was operating like four or five bars in a sandwich place you know honestly he was uh, that's it
0: it's i i wonder if you know i mean nightclubs are sort of fueled on hype to some degree you know do yeah. you think that that is just a normal part
1: of the business that
0: he started in
1: it, it possibly you know the the there is no ceiling in that world look right. at all the money look at the margins we're making
2: well the, the funny thing to me is that every, you know so most of the people i talked to were fairly quick to call bs on the sky view and that wheel and like oh yeah this isn't gonna happen it doesn't have the money but they're totally oblivious that, you know, yeah, no, no work has happened at the Sahara yet. They just put out a press release a couple months ago and the press release said we don't have all the money and they don't have the money. It's, it's just right. very, very funny to me.
0: I guess in some ways it just seems maybe more real because there is a giant building there and it's been there for so long and, you know, so it, I don't know. It, it, it is interesting to see that he's been able to, uh, to uh, sort of make people give more uh, good vibes than maybe he's earned so far
1: you got to go back, find the VT post where I took that original press release and read it again. Because I did all the HTML to cover, to highlight all of the adjectives and all the stuff that's conjecture and not true. And you see, he didn't say that we have the money. He said, we have secured $300 million in finances. But the small little part of that is contingent upon us raising another hundred and fifty. million. 175 million dollars you know JP Morgan's put this stuff in, in in escrow it's sitting there but they made it seem like it's done deal it's happening right
0: right well you know it's it in it very well may uh still may go down and they may pull this off we'll see but yeah. um you know we'll continue to watch the project and yeah. uh I will uh I'm ready to check in as soon as it's ready as soon as my room is ready so <laughs> Check, check-in check time was at 3. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, I guess I want to... There's a couple things happening in the course of the next year, and I guess I want to frame this, instead of sort of going into these individually because I don't know how interesting they are on their own, sort of frame this as 2013. You know, we're at the beginning of a new year. Um, we, as we've remarked many times, there's no major construction going on, but there are things happening. There are uh, changes that are going to be happening on the Strip over the course of the next year. Specifically, you know, we've got... The Nobu Hotel opening very soon, which is a potentially interesting new concept. The Seafood Tower, as we called it. Um, Bill's is about to close to begin a massive renovation project, um, which is interesting. Project Link, of course, uh, right down the street, is supposed to open before the end of this year, which is another potentially big shift on the Strip in terms of uh, a pretty major new... um, I guess, anchor tenant, if you will, a a new major attraction that will be hard for people to ignore, at least. Um, We've got the hotel going away and becoming a Delano um, and other stuff, of course. I mean, those are just some, just a couple. Um, Dave, you actually did an article about some of this stuff, uh, what you see coming in 2013. So maybe I'll start with you. What are the things that you are excited about or are dreading for 2013 when it comes to gaming in Las Vegas?
2: I think it's going to be the year of a lot of preparation and also the year where I don't want to call it the death of the mega resort, but that's too, that's way too uh, dramatic, melodramatic. I think it's a year of the focus away from the mega resort, you know, because frankly, nobody has the money for this and probably in the near future, nobody will have money to build one of these, but so they're going to focus on doing the little deals like the Nobu and Delano, they're going to focus on projects like Link, and they're also going to focus on other stuff, probably more room renovations, that kind of thing. It's a lot of small incremental improvements, and then um, everyone's going to be holding their breath to see what happens if any of the if either of the big two have to divest any more properties.
0: How likely do you think that last part is, um, divestitures?
2: You know, judging from the November results, I think it's a lot more likely. Yeah. And I'm not sitting there looking at their balance sheets right now saying, "Oh my god, and I don't know exactly what not they have to meet." So, you know, yeah, if we don't make X billion dollars, we're not going to meet our interest payments. We're going to go into default. But kind of just looking at it logically and saying, "Well, the percentage, the interest percentage has risen so much in the past couple of years, the they're not borrowing less money, so that's still going to be high, and the revenues are kind of flat, not doing well." you know well it's it's not looking that good it just looks like the revenues aren't there and i think a lot of people had predicted that 2012 was going to be a little bit of a better year than it turned out to be so i think that's going to cause probably some consternation and maybe some diversification
0: i mean you know phil ruffin has been like pounding the acquisition drum and made it very very clear that he wants to buy another property and he's even talked specifically about some of his past Negotiations that didn't bear fruit. I mean, so it's clear there's at least one buyer out there with market experience. He's already licensed that is ready to go um, and unload the properties. I guess that just probably comes down to price.
2: Yeah. And it shows the biggest problem, which is because of the regulatory constraints, you know, you've got a much smaller potential market. So let's say MGM was able to sell uh, Mandalay, you know, that Mandalay through Excalibur wing of properties. And they could find a buyer, you know, well, is that buyer licensed? Do they want to get licensed after seeing what can happen in the licensing? You know, so it becomes, I think that really keeps it a lot smaller. And, you know, if anything, that would be the reason why you wouldn't see any sales happen because there's just not enough people. You know, now the interesting thing, the X factor here is seeing what's going to happen in New Jersey with an online poker company coming in and buying the Atlantic Club. Right. And seeing how that pans out, because New Jersey is notoriously one of the most difficult regulatory bodies to work with. You know, they, I can't even name all the people who they've not licensed or stripped of licenses that Nevada's given licenses to or kept in licensing, but it runs everyone from MGM Resorts to Columbia Sussex to Hilton Hotels to Playboy. So, and the guys who used to run Caesars too. So, you know if they can get a um license in new jersey that to me that would open it up because if you could buy some of these properties you'd have a flagship to promote your online poker brand or whatever else you're selling and you know probably not going to be as expensive as it would have been a couple years ago
0: i have a prediction Shh. samsung will buy the mirage <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I did see an article in the New York Times about how much better Dubai World is doing these days. So who knows? Maybe they want to get uh, expand their uh, Las Vegas exposure a little bit beyond uh, beyond their half half in on City Center. Um, Chuck, I want to get you in on this deal. Um, you know, 2013, bunch of stuff coming up, closings, openings, changes. Um, I want to know what you think, uh, is going to be interesting, what might end up being a bust and the most important question, project link, is it all capitalized or is it normal case?
1: I think it's all caps. I think link is all caps. I don't know. Could be, I could be wrong, but, uh, uh, I I do, I'm curious about this Delano thing. It, 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 uh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I know you want to change the name on the top of the hotel, but they've already, you know, the hotel has been open for well, How long? Since 2002 What? Two? One? Ten two, years? Two, yeah, two, like three. That. It's already an existing brand. People know the joint. You know, the, the people understand. I think at this point that it's the boutique tower at Mandalay Bay. Uh, and I'm I'm really trying. The more I think about this thing, it does, the less it makes sense to me. It's 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 kind of the uh, the Echelon and Harmon debacles converging. Uh, because Morgan wanted to open the Delano at Echelon, and they pulled out of that. That thing collapsed. They bought Light Group, who was promised the Har- the Harman Hotel, and that whole thing. So you know, it's kind of like MGM sort of, you owe us, you know, you owe us a hotel p- promised, and they've decided to give it to uh, to Morgan's to do this. And the money thing... Doesn't make sense to me either. I was reading Morgan's uh, investor presentation, the most recent one. I think it's from Q3 uh, of last year. They say they make about oh geez, what is it, hundred thousand dollars in licensing per hundred rooms for each property. They've shifted their they've shifted their their focus from being the owner operator. To a lifestyle hospitality brand, so they're not going to have their fingers on this hotel at all. Basically, they're selling the name to put on the top of it, and per year they make a seven hundred and fifty thousand to a million dollars per one hundred rooms. The hotel has just over eleven 1, hundred rooms, so that means somebody MGM is paying Delano. 11, give or take, million dollars a year to put the name Delano on top of the hotel, okay? And MGM is actually managing it. So if MGM is managing it, then doesn't Morgans have to pay a management fee to MGM to manage the hotel that their brand is in? And Light Group is going to put in two restaurants they're probably going to have to pay rent on and a nightclub are gonna to have to pay rent. So it's like, which direction is the cash flowing here? Are who's you, getting who's getting paid for what?
0: Are you suggesting that you know it, m- I, it might be one of these incredibly fun accounting scenarios where everyone's paying everybody?
1: But but there's no money changing hands. Right. Or everybody's everybody's borrowing money to pay other people money that's getting paid back and forth into this circular kind of nonsensical thing. It doesn't make sense to me. NGM does not need to put the Delano name on the top of that hotel. Maybe they think that by putting the the name on, that they're going to be able to, you know, jump from whatever it is they're charging a night there, well, 200 bucks to 350. In this economy,
0: they did talk about raising ADRs as part of this transition.
1: Yeah, but is it really going to be worth that much?
0: I don't know. I mean, I, it, it, some of these plans, right, especially that over- occur over a large time horizon. They oftentimes are saying, well, you know, by that time, the economy will have strengthened quite a bit, right? Sometimes there's a lot of these other external factors that go into the planning that could not ever turn into reality. So,
1: and there's expense too, because they're going to thoroughly, totally redesign the place. It's going to look, you know, like the inside of an Apple store when they're done with it. It's kind of their design aesthetic. So, and there's that's going to cost a lot of money too. right, Right. That's a hundred million dollars.
0: Right. Now it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, the bills situation. I mean, that's going to be closed for most like all of 2013 I and mean, it's going to be closed for a long time. Yeah. Uh, which is not a big hit on room inventory at all. It's only got a couple hundred rooms. So that's no big deal, but you know, it's in a pretty critical spot. I think it'll be pretty interesting to see how they uh, frame it for, Renovation and construction with so many people moving around it every single day, but uh, you know they've been able to pull off crazier, crazier in-place upgrades before, so I'm sure they'll figure it out. But But will uh, we
1: will we see divestiture though? If they're still spending this kind of money on these properties?
0: Well, I guess you know it'll. I think it'll come down to what we were talking about before, right? Price and potential buyers. And uh, and what they can finagle, you know, I'm sure. I mean, these, you know, these. I don't. I don't get the sense that Jim Merren or Gary Loveman have any emotional connection to any of these properties that they're running. They are playing it like a numbers game. So, whereas you know, back in the day, uh, at the heyday of Mirage, Steve Wynn may not have ever considered parting with any of his assets, even when things got particularly uh the pressure really started to build before the acquisition in that time frame you know i don't i don't think jim murren could care less if he sold off some of these properties he has no emotional connection to these places he's not a builder of stuff he's an accountant
1: it's not even a matter of whether or not they give a crap about selling something but if they're going to spend all this money to upgrade the delano then why would they get rid of the mirage why not just keep the mirage and leave the delano th- the hotel the way it
2: is Maybe they're just trying to concentrate and they figure, well, if we're going to keep... If we're going to have a smaller footprint, we want to upgrade and shift that footprint more to the high end.
0: Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. It's interesting to see. I mean, I, I couldn't care less about Delano as a brand. Um, ooh. Ooh, rock and roll. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Somebody's
1: um, got the Rush uh, ringtone. I like it. Too. Well,
0: one of the things that I am... <laughs> that I'm reminded of as we talk about this and I don't want to harp on this subject for too long, but, uh, you know, Echelon and Fontainebleau, like they have kind of exited the conversation. It's like, no one even assumes they're ever going to open now. I mean, are these just, is it now just a foregone conclusion that eventually these places are going to be torn down?
1: I don't think so. I've got some information, but I can't share it.
0: Oh, wow. That's, that's not mysterious
2: yeah well, if I got off the i i put down the headphone to pick up that phone call, and I come back to that
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can share it yeah
0: well uh i guess I guess then all I can say there is uh we'll have to stay tuned and see um <laughs> I, you know i think if I can talk about me personally, it does definitely seems like i that um you know maybe less so for echelon since it's owned by a real company with real operating casinos and real possible plans to the future versus Fontainebleau, which I just see as like, I, you know, eventually someone's going to sell it to somebody who would, would, would rather, you know, rip out all the steel and sell it to China. Um, I, that one's, I, I it's just, oh, so ugly. Can Please tear it down. Someone, please, please tear it down. Um, all right. I think we should start wrapping things up here. Uh, I did notice the, um, the fact it's been pretty cold in Las Vegas, got a lot of, uh, a little play, there was a sort of viral photo of some freezing going on. Dave, you have been suffering over the last few days. How cold has it been in Las Vegas?
2: I wish I had a witticism, but I don't, My, you know, I, um, you know, the, it's. I'll tell you, it's been so cold that I've actually considered myself lucky that I had the flu because I didn't have to go out and run at five in the morning when it was 20 degrees. Ah, there you go. So it's whatever been- that means.
0: It's been cold here in California too. I think as Dave McKee put it, uh, res- regarding the fountains at Caesars Palace that had frozen over, what kind of moron runs a pump during a freeze? Uh, which is a good question. Um, but uh, it looks like it had been pretty cold out there, unseasonably cold. Um, I don't know if that's all that interesting, but uh, that picture did make the rounds the other day as it went somewhat viral. So,
1: I have an answer to that question. Yes. The kind of moron who... Oppers a pump when it's freezing is one who would rather pay the plumbers union than the electronics union to turn the pump off.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's a very practical answer. Yes. Um, I have one other thing on my rundown, but I don't I don't I think we're gonna save it because it uh it doesn't um It's not really – it'll keep – and I'll just – I'll mention it now so people can sort of think it over because I found this to be interesting. I noticed, you know, obviously as someone that has stuff in the iTunes store, I look at the App Store charts every year and keep a fairly good handle on what's doing well and what isn't and what's making money and what isn't. And, uh, you know, it's hard not to notice at the end of 2012 the App Store uh, top grossing chart, which is uh, just as it sounds – a bunch of the apps in the top ten were slot machine apps. Um they, these aren't necessarily apps that offer any kind of real gambling. Most of them are uh usable here in the US, but they're apps where people are paying money to play slot machines and they maybe win points or something else. That they they all they vary all a little bit, but I just think it's really it's fascinating that uh these apps to be in that top of those lists, they're making some real serious money. Uh you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a day in some cases. And, um, to see how much demand there appears to be for this kind of electronic gaming on devices like the iPad and the iPhone, I'm sure it's similar on Android, um, how much demand there is for something that's not even legal in its most traditional form in the United States and other places. I just think that's fascinating and to see, you know, at what point will that dam break And we will see people being able to really gamble on these devices. And how will that work? I think that's a really interesting story. um, But I also think it's probably too deep of a rabbit hole to really get into today. But I will leave that with you guys to think about uh, for next time. Because I think, uh, I don't know, one of these years is going to be, there's going to be just this massive explosion of this um, internet gaming and all that other stuff. So I I think it's pretty interesting. And uh, I, I was sort of shocked by uh how many of these apps were on that list because <laughs> it's 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 pretty impressive for the folks that are putting those together. So I can see why some of the companies that make these have become big acquisition targets. Alright. Um, unless anyone has a comment on that, I'll just leave that there and we can we can save it for the future. Um, and uh, we will roll into our our Surebet segment. So Surebet's are our opportunity to present you guys, the listeners, with something that we think you might find interesting. Uh, it may uh, jive with uh, Las Vegas and gambling and casinos, but it doesn't have to. It can be totally separate and outside of that realm. So um, kicking things off, uh, Chuck, do you have something for us today?
1: I certainly do. Um, my sure bet is the Tesla Model S. <laughs> I went to a uh, the mall a few weeks ago, uh, the Westfield, believe it or not, in uh, Topanga out here in the San- beautiful San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, and not only does the mall smell exactly like Aria, they have the same scent, but they have a Tesla gallery there where you can go and look at the two cars they've made. Uh, Tesla Motors, for those who don't know, is started by Elon Musk, who's the dude who invented PayPal. One of the dudes who invented PayPal. He's done some other uh, sort of technological work, and he has a company that launched spaceships, stuff like that and he's also the CEO of this company and they are trying to create not just a awesome electric car but an awesome car and I went and checked it out and this is like the technological nerd car of the future but it looks sharp it is clean lines great gorgeous it's got this huge 17-inch touchscreen monitor where all your controls are you can program where all what buttons do what on your steering wheel? Um, it uh, it runs on software updates. It's got uh, it's got like 3G enabled in the car, so you can browse the internet while you're driving. <laughs> um, and it 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 will download a software update for your car. So, uh, like an example of that that they recently pushed out was on gas power cars, when you take your foot off the brake, the car creeps forward a little bit people who had gotten the Tesla said, you know, I kind of miss that. You know, when I'm at a a, a light, I just, I don't necessarily want to go. I just want to creep. So they, they basically redid the software to enable a creep and you can turn it on or off with, you know, a little toggle switch in the software. And this is, this is like the first example of a car that can learn and get better via software. It's like your car is like your iPhone and they just keep giving it a new operating system, so you get better, 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 better. It learns how to, to control the batteries better, save energy better. Uh, it's it's a pretty fascinating uh, vehicle. The story behind it, the technologic technology inside it, and the way that they're building a network of charging stations. This is this is pretty amazing stuff. It's it's like real real pioneer uh, auto building outside of the paradigm of the auto industry. It's a major disruptor and uh, given a, a little bit of luck and some good support from uh, people who want to be early adopters, hopefully this company will will keep going. So I'd yeah. say check out teslamotors.com and and uh, watch some of the reviews. Is uh, the, the review from Car and Driver. It won the Motor Trend or whatever his car that the year. all of those awards it won this year. Uh, but if you go on YouTube, you can watch, the videos of the reviews pretty fascinating stuff. Tesla.
0: Tesla is an amazing company. Um Elon Musk is basically Tony Stark. Uh it is it's pretty amazing. He also owns uh, a company that makes rocket ships um that you know it, the guy is amazing. He's a genius and I am incredibly impressed with Tesla. Um so I I completely share your admiration for the company. I've seen a couple of Model S's around here in Santa Barbara. Um I have not ridden in one, but uh they look uh, as great as they do in the pictures. So they're really impressive. I can only imagine where this stuff is going to go as it becomes even more mainstream. Um but yeah, it does yep. seem, it does seem like the future, right? We're starting we're starting to see all these technological advances make their way into um stuff like cars and, and our, our homes beyond just smartphones and computers and tablets and that kind of stuff. So very cool. Very great recommendation. Love it. Um, Dr. Dave, do you have something for us today?
2: Wow. This sounds a lot less impressive. Um, so was out sick, you know, pretty hammered past couple days of the flu and hanging out with my kids, got to watch a lot of backyardigans and that shows freaking awesome. I don't think I've recommended it before. I know I've recommended kids' stuff, but man, I got so into it. Uh, I always liked the one called Garbage Trek, which is a spoof of Star Trek, down to (laughs) them having the the sound effects and stuff. But man, um, you got to watch International Super Spy, which is a double-length episode. It is the most spot-on parody-slash-pastiche of the Bond franchise you will ever see in a cartoon It is freaking awesome. Um, Another one I'm going to throw up there for a lot of fun is Mission to Mars while we're talking about high-tech stuff. You can be – this works in two levels. Actually, it works in three levels. Number one, it's really enjoyable to watch with your kids. Number two, if you don't have kids, it's probably kind of fun to watch. Number three, if you're a total geek, you can sit there and try to nitpick everything that is technically incorrect, you know, so for example, number one, the fact that they launched the space shuttle to go to Mars, when the space shuttle could never handle travel beyond low Earth orbit. Number two, the shuttle was launched without the external tank and the boosters, and still somehow makes it to Mars. Number three, apparently, the orbital maneuvering thrusters were firing during the entire ascent stage. So there's a lot of little technical things you can nitpick. but It's just so much fun watching the show. You don't really care. So just just a ton of fun watching that show. And if you haven't seen the show before, I'll explain the concept. It's not really an easy concept. Well, I guess it's kind of an easy concept to explain. Basically, it's five cartoon animal kids who hang out in their backyard, and through the power of their imagination, they imagine they're doing all these things. Each story has its own musical score, Hmm. that is based on a distinct musical style. So, for example, uh, Mission to Mars is... They're going to Mars, and the musical style is Kenyan high-life music, like fella, that sort of thing. Right. So it's really cool. And the the other really interesting thing is that the style of music never really matches a period of the piece. So it'll be, you know, like a something set in west and polka music or something like that so it's just really cool cool fun show so if you want to watch children's television can't can't go wrong watching that
0: where can people find it
2: people can find that in nick jr and all over the place and uh also on itunes and amazon instant watch as well
0: awesome all right cool i am not familiar with the the uh excellent backyard again so uh this is a new one for me um all right let's see so thank you dave um, in the in for me, I think in in the grand traditions of sure you know, it, some some listeners may remember that back in October, I recommended Apple Maps, which a week or so later invited a <laughs> media firestorm <laughs> with its uh, reliable, excellent data. So I figured I needed to do something to win back the trust of my listeners and come up with something that uh, could never go wrong and blow up in their face. So I decided. I don't usually give investment advice, but I think Apple shares would be a great thing to invest in. If, um, if, uh, if you're looking for something to invest in, I I hear it's very stable. Um, hasn't been moving around very much lately. So I think if you're looking for something for the future, you should consider investing in Apple. Um, seriously though, uh, I wanted to just, I think I don't really have a great, um, a traditional sherbet this week. Uh, I just, I had to put a long time pet to sleep this week and I was just reminded by how big of a contribution that my, the pets that I have have made in my life and how much I love them. And I, uh, just thought it was a, a good time to re- reflect on that a little bit and just say, uh, you know, for those of you that are pet owners, I'm sure you can relate to this. Um, I don't have any kids, so this is the closest proxy that I have to them at the moment. So, um, You know, they're uh, they're incredibly fun. And even when you have to go through something um, like uh, we did this week, I think it's it's still all worthwhile. So I wanted to just uh, say that and also say thank you to everybody out there that said really kind words and said nice things over the past couple of days. Um, We really appreciate it. It was very nice of you uh we i was sort of amazed by uh how many little notes i got from people so it was just very nice and i wanted to say thank you to everybody definitely very much appreciated
1: all right absolutely hunter you know i'm going to uh put put uh, put some chips behind that and move my microphone close to my puppies who i think you might be able to hear sleeping snoring <laughs>
0: Yeah, my dog Sid is here right as well, and he's actually looking at me now. Usually he's sitting here snoring during the whole show, but I guess we were more interesting today because he is actually awake. Hmm. Um. (laughs) All right, uh, that is it for today. I want to remember, remind, remember, remember to, I am reminding you to remember to go to iTunes and rate the show. This is the best way for... Other people to find out about the show, other than of course you telling them to listen to it. But it is a good way for you to share your opinion about the show with the world. We really appreciate your ratings. It does bring more people to the f- program, which we uh, are all, who are always welcome. So if you have a minute and want to go rate the show on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. Um, let me go around the table, and you guys uh, can tell people where they can find you. Dr. Dave will start with you. Where can people track you down?
2: DGSchwartz.com.
0: And don't forget to order Dr. Day's book, uh, the Casino Edition of Roll the Bones, which uh, is linked from there. And we'll put a link in the show notes. All right, Chuck. Thank work you. With people. Yes, absolutely. Chuck, where can people find you?
1: Hunter? Hunter? Yes. I would like to remind people that the Vegas Gang podcast has a website. It does. It does. And uh, since 2 way Hard 3 is no longer accepting comments, I think – do we? Are we? Will we accept comments at VegasGangPodcast.com?
0: We will and are. So that's a good reminder. All f- that previously, um, we were trying to. I was directing the comments to two-way to keep things consolidated. But since it is uh, now deceased, um, the future Vegas Gang posts will all accept comments. So if you want to leave a comment there, you are welcome to. We're also on Twitter at VegasGang. So uh, that's another way to get a hold of us if you are so inclined. Yes. And you can find Chuck at VegasTripping.com. Yes. And don't forget to check out the Trippies. Yes. Um, You can find me at RateVegas.com or information on my iPhone app, VegasMate, at VegasMate.com. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend.